It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another episode of American Loser. My name is KP Burke. I'm your host. I am a New Jersey-based comedian because I can't afford to live in New York City, folks. He's a Jersey guy. He's a guy. Jersey guy. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think we already figured out what's the... We know that's going to be the, the title of the second album whenever yeah. it comes out. Uh, the current album is called Escape from Jacksonville, which you can check out for free over on YouTube. And uh, there's a couple of end-of-the-year lists that I've been finding out uh, some good things about Kahuna. Um that actual that special was directed by this fellow named Christian Cordez. Who the fuck uh, is that? Uh, cute kid, cute kid, young kid. All right, hungry, adorable, hungry, adorable. Um, you know, ready, it looks like a work. Muppet from what I've seen. <laughs> well, there's a, a little statue of him down at uh, Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash in Red Bank, New Jersey, uh, held up by uh, the one and only great uh, Mike Zapsik. And then also we want to give a shout out to, of course, we're at a shared universe podcast studio in Homedale, New Jersey, live at the Bellworks. Thank you so much to our good friend, Ming Chen. Always surprised and, and, and taking good care of us, man. Uh, accommodating on a last minute notice too. Um, with me, if you guys don't know what the show is, it's called American <laughs> Loser. All right. Each week, me and my Dilf of a dad. Say hello, dad. Hey, hello, everybody. How are we going to They, they know at this point, this. KP. Yeah, I think uh, if they have They know. Gonna... <laughs> well, we got to be careful because uh, I keep winning over new fans there slowly but surely, right? It's increasing. Um, it is actually, but we've been doing the show for four years now. We try to never miss a week. I'm so sorry. Um, but uh, the curse is, is that... Uh, uh, I'm getting more and more road work. I'm getting a chance to headline more and more rooms. A lot of that is because of uh, you guys and the fun podcast we have. I love talking to people who come to the shows that listen to American Loser. Uh, I love uh, having people that watch the special and enjoyed it. I just love getting to interact, man. It's uh, This is my dream come true. Uh, and uh, it is because of anybody listening to this, to be quite honest. Most specifically, though, Dad, who do we have to thank a little extra? Oh, I think the founding losers. Uh, the founding losers. That's <laughs> the founding right. Founding losers. The numbers right. go up. The numbers go down. All right. Some people are around for uh, everything. Some people have been there since day one. Some people just showed up. Doesn't matter. Love you all. Okay. Absolutely. Really do. Because the- without them. This ain't happening. No, it's uh, listen, my father is a retired shop teacher. Okay, he can't be swinging a hammer much longer. Okay, that's right. He's gonna die swinging a hammer. That I, arthritis, man, yeah, you know, and the knees are shot, everything is shot. He'll die swinging a hammer, but I want it to be about 30 years from now. Okay, folks, <laughs> let's not 50. get him a, come on, man. I'll take 50. Why not? <laughs> and of course, behind the ones and twos, um, he's no fan of Christian Cordes, mind you, but he is no. a fan of this show. The big kahuna in the building, buddy. Hey, what's up, people? It's good to be back with you, pal. Yeah, it's it's always a pleasure to be back here, man. But it, it feels like it's been forever. Uh, it You know what it is? We miss one week and it feels like an eternity. Yeah. Um, but it is good to be back, buddy. And we're going to have this one out uh, prior to Thanksgiving. So big on your way to Thanksgiving, I hope you're listening to this show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to, to you. Yeah. On the road to see the in-laws and the outlaws and- Oh, did you La, say La Familia? Um, yeah, it's what's well, better than to uh, tuning into American Loser. And did you say Outlaw, Dad? In laws and Outlaws. Yeah. Wait a minute. Every family's got them, but 
we got a special one this facts week. well what a what a wonderful tie-in here because <laughs> this is go. the podcast that puts a spotlight firmly on second place so of course how else are we going to dive into this than to go ahead and just start i have a great one for you all right coons and you're going to know some things here and there's some crazy tie-ins uh, for real life portrayals of this guy in film and television by some actors that Kahuna is definitely going to know and some of you guys are going to know as well. But in order to start it off, uh, this story, weirdly enough, is going to start in 1993. You know why, Dad? Did you no, get into this at all? I, well, I found a fun. Tell angle. me about it, and I'll tell you if I got into it. 1993. <laughs> 1993. That's not a dyslexic numbers moment uh, for OKP. That's, uh, that's, that's two 90 years after uh, an momentous occasion. But go ahead. That's two years before me. <laughs> uh, BK a, BK before <laughs> the dark uh, times um. well in 1993 a mock trial is going to take place that's rather peculiar uh, it was a bit of a it was a mock trial it was also a retrial mock trial and this time the verdict of this trial or mock trial or retrial depending on how you want to define it was that Emperor Norton didn't need to pay back any of the San Francisco parking tickets that he <laughs> accumulated over the years. Emperor it's close. Norton. It's very close. Emperor Norton. Uncle Paulie's favorite too, by the way. Um, so this time this verdict is reversed and the accused, who was a murderer by the name of Tom Horn, was found innocent, Kahuna. Oh, shit. Which is awesome because, uh, I mean, imagine Tom Horn, the look on his face when he finds out that a mock trial retrial has decided that the crime that he was hung for (laughs) back in 1903. Actually, they proved it wasn't him. Yeah. Well, shit. Well, I'd be annoyed. I'd be hella mad. How would you like to be left hanging for 90 years, though? Oh, LP. (laughs) Don't leave me hanging here. LP. God, Lawrence Patrick. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, it's true. Uh, It would have been a welcome sound for Tom Horn had he not been executed by the state of Wyoming for that very same crime in 1903. Also, he was killed just a day before his 40th birthday. Oh, that's that's just mean. Yeah, that's cruel and unusual. Yeah, you can't. Let, but it, what's mean? Which one would be the meaner of the two options? To kill you the day before your birthday, or to kill you on your birthday? The day before. Because how old was he when he died then? 39? 39, 39 and 300. That's the worst. That would, that would like, <laughs> that like gives me OC. That like, oh, that irks me so much. 39 and 364 days. <laughs> That's fucked. We're actually going to kill you on your birthday because the guy at the cemetery screwed up and he put your date of birth as your date of death. So <laughs> yeah, we're going to just. We're just going to kill you on your birthday if you're cool with that. <laughs> That's the state of Wyoming here for you, folks. But who exactly is Tom Horn? First of all, a great name. Um, yeah, actually, that was my cousin's name and my uncle's name. That's Tom Horn Sr. and Tom Horn Jr. Pat and C- Wow. Yep. There you go. Well, Megan, cousin Megan just shit a brick wherever she is. <laughs> How are you, Megs? We'll be seeing you soon for Christmas Eve. Yeah, when I first heard of Tom Horn, the movie, I'm saying, Holy Christ, I know Timmy got himself into some scrapes here and there, but I didn't realize they were making a movie out of him. But no, it's different Tom Horn. Equally a tough bastard, though, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, depending on who you talk to, some are going to call Tom Horn a gun for hire. Some called him a murderer for hire. Others have referred to him as a frontier hitman, or this one was my favorite. This is the coolest nickname ever. Kahuna, start writing your movie now. All right. Okay. Davy Crockett, John Wick. Very close. Oh, it's there. Um the Grim Reaper of the Rockies. Oh. Yeah, this is a good one here. 
Tarantino would kill this movie. <laughs> uh, he would. And as you're going to find out, his life is actually so insane that many tropes of great Western characters and also just other characters and movies in general have kind of blended some of the real life stuff behind this guy. That's why he fits a show like American Loser here. Oh, um, is he the bad or is he the ugly? Yes. He is the good, the bad, and the ugly, Kahuna. Oh, wow. At various stages of his life, he is all three. That's <laughs> what a perfect – dude, uh, really, I, that was – Spot you nailed, on? Oh, you nailed it. I don't, <laughs> I'm actually annoyed I didn't come up with this. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. Um, now, again, this frontier hitman or the Grim Reaper of the Rockies dead, before he could become the type of Wild West legend that even a guy like Geronimo – Loserception. Loserception. Oh, would come out to respect, he had to be born. Okay. Most of us have been born in this life. Yeah. If you matter cannot be created or destroyed. Most of us who have spent time on this planet typically were born, but yeah. That's going to be about the last thing we have in common with this guy. His life is so ridiculous here. I didn't know who's playing him. <laughs> I already know. There's a couple of good ones. Um, I'll tell you what, they made a, a movie about him that you cannot go by. Because um, the creative liberties taken by the directors mm -hmm. uh, and writers in order to make a, uh, a story. I have to watch this movie now that I know the real story. But Tom Horn was played by uh, the King of Cool Dad, who is, of course. Steve McQueen. Goddamn Fuck. right. Yep. That's uh, – mm, and I just watched The Towering Inferno the other day. He, Damn. That's some good casting. I want to say Towering Inferno, a side note to that one is that McQueen and Paul Newman actually had a beef over whose name was going to show up. First. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of them had – whoever came up second had to have bigger font or something. I forget what the deal was with it. It was so petty. I love it. <laughs> uh, but don't fuck with Steve McQueen, man. All right, Newman? You stick to your goddamn dressing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's two mantras on this show. There's also some other stuff in here as well. Tom Horn, uh, as we're going to cover, um, and uh, the Wild Bunch, uh, not the Wild Bunch, uh, Butch Cassidy's Hole in the Wall Gang. I actually have a little bit of a run in later on here, so I'll explain that one here. But before he can become this uh, Wild West legend here, he is born dad. Uh, Tom is born in 1860 on a farm in Missouri, or as uh, my friend Chad Presley would call it, Missouri. 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 So, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. Um, Tom's family owned a large tract of land, okay, about 600 acres, and Tom was the fifth of 12 children, okay? And if you want to talk about childhood trauma, Kuna, you mentioned a certain Keanu Reeves iconic role um, earlier when mm -hmm. we were talking about the, the Grim Reaper of the Mr. Rockies. Mr. Wick. Mr. Wick. Um, if you wanted to create a John Wick, I think the way you would go about it is unfortunately the hardening, if you will, of Tom Horn. So again, he's the fifth of 12 children. Tom seems to have childhood trauma in spades. Last one to survive. Oh, his father routinely abuses the shit out of him. Uh, yeah. Physically just roughs him up on the regular. And uh, anyway, he finds the love of his life, if you will. He finds companionship and all the love and the best friend in the world in his dog, Shedrick. Okay. Oh, uh, no, KP. What, what a great name Shedrick is, though. Can we focus on the positives? Yeah, great name. Kahuna, I demand that your first child be named Shedrick Kahuna. <laughs> Shedrick? Gee, all uh, right. That's a tall order. You sign a record deal now for Shedrick. Um, <laughs> Shedrick and uh, Tom are uh, unfortunately uh, at this crossroads here where uh, two local boys beat the living shit out of a young Tom and then kill his dog uh, while the dog's trying to defend him by killing it with a shotgun. So these two bully kids kick the shit out of you and then kill your dog in front of you. Um, yeah, if with you, a shotgun. If I you want to know, oh yeah, if you want to know how to make a John Wick in the West, that's, that's the recipe. That's how you fucking do it. Yeah, that's- uh, That's the recipe, baby. 
Early childhood trauma for sure. And it makes you wonder why he was able to pull the trigger without any sense of remorse later on in his life. It's because he got all the crying out of his way right then and there. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, he, he got revenge? Well, no, they never damn. really proved that. However, um, I just like to imagine he did. Oh, that, that that's where you, again, now there's going to be eight or nine jumping off points in this guy's life where you're going to realize that this is a movie. Okay. Um, I'm already on board for this. Oh, shit. totally. All right. Totally. And we're just getting warmed up, baby. The My father has a piece of paper printed out that says Sheep Wars on it. You're in for a ride, folks. <laughs> Got my papers in front of me here, KP. I did my homework this time. Oh, he's getting Southern on me too. Uh, anyway, Tom Horn will head to the wild Southwest during the very, very intense Apache Wars, Okay, where he will serve under a guy by the name of Al Sieber or Cyber. I wasn't trying to pronounce that, who was the chief scout for the US Army, a badass dude in his own right. So if you're Wanted to be a badass, you got to go work for a badass. You yep. know what I mean? And Horn quickly moves up the ranks and earns more and more respect and recognition for his excellence as a scout and a packer, which is not bad for a kid that started working when he was only 16 years old, Dad. Um, what was 16-year-old KP doing that when you weren't walking in unannounced? Probably uh, – <laughs> I mean, well, I'm just – he was just playing with his G.I. Joes. <laughs> there were times you caught me playing with actual G.I. Joes. Yeah, okay. Let's – yeah, we won't, we won't go into that right now. But yeah, he um, at an early age he leaves the the not so happy childhood home um, with his siblings and uh, takes off for the Southwest. ends ends up um, in the thick of things with uh, the Apache uh, Apache Wars and signs on with the Army as a as a scout. Just shoot from the hip here on this one because we're catching the old man off uh, you know guard here. He's a, a devout researcher for this show. We're talking Apache Wars, you and me and the Kona hanging out. Mm -hmm. People hear Apache Wars and they can't quite tell if it's a full-on pitched battle type thing. Is it like uh, the Wild West movies where it's a stagecoach just trying to outrun them? What it, Briefly, if you can, describe the Apache Wars. And I got some info to back us up here too. Well, it, it's uh, you know they, the, the white settlers, if you will, are making inroads into uh, Native American lands. And uh, this particular part of the country was um, – being occupied by the uh, by the Apaches, and uh, it wasn't a, a you know ar my army against your army kind of a thing. It was a hit and run type of thing. But uh, it was uh, it was Fort Apache, uh, Rin Tin Tin, uh, you know that <laughs> kind of stuff. If you're getting your history from television in Hollywood, you're uh, you're going to be uh, misled as to the actuality of the whole thing. But the yeah, army I hate to is break it to you, kids. Zorro's not real. Yeah, what? The, Dora the Explorer? I said Zorro. Oh, Zorro. <laughs> hang on, hang on. No, what? no, that was a documentary. <laughs> it's right. KP, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Davy Crockett was real, though, bro. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Oof, oof, oof. Zorro was kind of real, too, but that's another episode. But anyhow, um, yeah, Tom Horn goes to uh, the Southwest, and uh, he's signing up with the Army. He's not, he's not an army enlisted he's working as an army scout and a, and a packer which means he's bring helping bring in supplies and tracking these things he's a very intelligent uh young man because he's got a great affinity for uh, languages especially that uh um moving to that area he quickly um is able to communicate and converse in spanish and a little bit of apache as well so uh he's kind of an, a valuable uh, asset to the uh the armed forces that are now serving in the great Southwest. 
you want to be tough, uh, be tough. You can get tough people. You got to have a brain too. Sometimes you can have, you know, a tough guy with a brain. That's extremely useful. And by the way, we're saying Apache Wars. There's a couple of big battles, if you will, when you look at the Apache Wars and they do go on for quite a long time. And there's really no true end to all of that, really. There's there's when the government said it was over. And uh, if the show's ever taught you anything is that you should love your country, but uh, always, always just hesitate a little bit with the government. Uh, and that goes for both sides of this one here too, because as we mentioned, obviously Geronimo has a huge uh, campaign launched uh, against him to hunt him down, of which Tom Horn, of course, comes into play here. And then also Tom Horn, who uh, is working for government agencies at various times throughout his life, um, it is the state of Wyoming that has him killed. Okay, that mock trial we talked about in the very beginning. So keep in mind, this guy is going to die via execution. Okay, in from the state of Wyoming, a state sanctioned execution. State sanctioned execution. <laughs> You're goddamn right. Right. So I meant that made it legal. <laughs> so, um, and this is another one right here, Kahuna, where start writing your movie about this guy. You have six or seven movies here, and eventually, Kahuna and I do have a project we want to do. It, it does involve the Muppets. Um, <laughs> oh, it does, 100. percent And a couple of the characters we've come up with on this show here, but. When I referred to those Apache Wars earlier, Dad, I referred to them as intense, and that's still somehow an uh, an understated way of going about it. Because uh, a pitched battle is all right. It looks like uh, the British troops are going to be uh, at Burgoyne here, and we're going to meet up with them, and blah blah blah. And uh, you know, uh, we'll get supplies from this place here, and we'll meet up, and we'll have a pitched battle on this day. The Apache Wars break out any given moment. That is like your, uh, um, I mean, I mean, literally the drop of a, a hat. You could be in a gunfight. Right. They show up out of nowhere. That's why the Western movies were so great because it's just a beautiful scene of, you know, John Ford shooting a great scene of Ward Bond leading a, a, a wagon <laughs> yeah, party right. through go. the canyons and you're seeing the, the the beauty of Death Valley. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start hearing the war party in the background and shit's happening, man. Mm -hmm. That has to be the most intense. Uh, the drums theme. are getting louder, KP. Yeah. They are. There you go. And, and by the way, every horror movie, science fiction movies have all taken that. It's always you start hearing the drums, baby. Um, so Tom's going to work again with another scout uh, during his employee of the time with the U.S. Cavalry. This scout's name is Mickey Free. What do you know about Mickey Free, Dad? Anything? Because I got some shit. I don't. I don't have much on Mickey Free. What? First of all, great name. All right, Tom Horn and Mickey Free. That sounds like two guys that should be boxing in the 1800s. Um, but instead, they're out on the, the trails uh, fighting Native Americans. Okay, uh, fighting in these Apache Wars, and they're both scouts for the cavalry. Uh, Kahuna, you know this is why Mickey, uh, Mickey is such an interesting character. Uh, you know that old trope of um, they do it in movies all the time, where it's they're, they're going into enemy territory and they're like, hey, "We actually have an inside man. He was raised by the enemy." You know that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's Mickey Free's real life. He was kidnapped as a child. He was a uh, a white uh, Anglo-Saxon child that was kidnapped by the Apache at a very young age, and then raised in their customs and traditions, and was able to actually become an Apache warrior. And Whoa. then use the skills that he learned. And and just to give a little um, background here, uh, Lawrence Patrick, we grew up in uh, your house uh, with a very, very strange- <laughs> We grew up in, in my house? Yeah. Okay. All we right. grew up in your house, um, my sister and I, with a strange amount of knowledge for kids from New Jersey about Native American cultures and how to appreciate them. And I, that was due to because of- uh, your affinity for learning about them as a kid, and then a lot of the stuff you collected um, throughout your life, some of which we still have. Yeah, um, got to raise your kids right. Well, At least try. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, that that love of that was one of my favorite classes I ever took at Brookdale was Native American studies, and it was pretty great. And I got to blow my teacher's mind a few times when I knew some of the shit that I knew. Um, and it's because of you. That being said, different tribes had different things going on. So there, you had the um, 
some of the more sophisticated uh, you know, tribes that like to do trading and commerce with other people. When you hear Apache though, these are not people you fuck with. This is this is hell's angels of the Native Americans. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there are warrior um, nations, if you will, um, that they weren't necessarily farmers or um, merchants or whatever you might want to classify them. That the Apache and um, the Lakota Sioux and a few of the others were known as more uh, fearsome tribes that. You know they're they're going to come at you if you try to take over their their land. They're going to come after you. How many times in a Western have you heard someone say Comanche, and you know that that just means that's you know, bad. Like, yeah, you know, uh, it's it just means predators. Uh-oh. Bad news on the doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> so these are not the people that you fuck with, man. This is a warrior club. They're like Spartans almost. You know what I mean? They're they're down for the fight here. And Mickey Free is raised by the Apache, learns their ways and their customs, becomes a warrior within their tribe, and then says, you know what? I got all this skill in tracking people and killing them and hunting and doing a little bounty hunting as well, living off the land. I can go make a little bit of money doing this, I think. And he goes and gets himself a government job. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. Um, but that is the old trope. It really, it doesn't come from there, but he's definitely a perfect example of the inside man, if you will. That's Mickey Free. Okay. Uh, now, during his time working with the U.S. Cavalry with Tom Horn, who are both serving under, again, this gentleman by the name of Al Sieber, who is a Civil War veteran and hero in his own right. And now he's out West fighting the uh, the deadly Apache. Their group is going to get – they get attacked, okay? Again, like we said, in these Apache Wars, a uh, war party can break out at any given moment. You don't know. They're very crafty about tracking you. You're trying to be crafty tracking them. It's, uh, it's a chess game happening in silence, in the dark. And a Apache war party will actually attack their group while they're crossing a river here. And the Apache instantly kill the commanding officer and chaos begins to ensue. And then Al Sieber will actually order Tom, Tom Horn, and Mickey Free to move towards high ground in a flanking position so they can lay down covering fire. Tom Horn's uh, trademark rifle, if you will, throughout his life is going to be a 30-30 lever action Winchester. Okay? Uh, If you guys don't know what that means, it means it's the old school, like a John Wayne gun or, um, you know, any sort. Anytime you see it in a Western, when uh, they have the lever underneath uh, the gun, the rifle, if you will. And you actually will just pull the lever forward and back. The lever's right by the trigger. And then uh, you're going to load the next round uh, by doing it that way. And it yeah. is th- – those were the d- the guns that won the West. By the way, uh, a Chuck, Winchester would be a 30-30 Winchester mansion. Chuck but, Connors on the Rifleman had a variation of that except he had a big ring at the bottom of his lever action that he could spin around. Because uh, yeah, it was action, the coolest. You're taking the, you're taking the handle underneath the uh, – underneath the thing and pulling it forward, pulling it back, and that loads the next round. And you could, um, you know, give multiple, you could put multiple shots into the magazine rather than a single shot kind of a thing. So so Mickey and Tom are up there with these uh, Winchester rifles sending lead down range, baby. All right. And they're able to actually get, uh, they're able to repel the attack, which is important here. And that's, people are starting to take notice. They're like, these uh, these two cats are pretty cool under fire, man. Yeah. There's going to be a fight. Tom's I life. want them on my side. Oh, Absolutely. Um, now, Tom and Mickey's efforts, like I say, repels um, the Apache attack and also news like you were saying, Dad. You want these guys on your side. There's news of two new badass scouts that are able to stand toe-to-toe with a war party. That that word's getting around the frontier a little bit. Now, when people hear Apache and Apache wars, they might think of it as a war per se. But again, these natives are always feared and often respected during the various wars here. The Apache are among the most feared uh, tribe because they're pretty good at what they do. It, it's not – this is like a five-year campaign on paper. And there's a time when the government says the war is over and then the raids still continued into the 1900s. So there is an actual big battle here, though. It's not just skirmishes and raids. 
there's a very large scale battle known as the Battle of Big Dry Wash. Okay, which sounds it's not laundry. I promise you, Kahuna. It's a, <laughs> although I do need to do some. That reminds me. Um, <laughs> a dry wash is a riverbed that sometimes might have water running through it, depending on the season. Other times, it's going to be dry. Hence the name, dry wash. It sounds like it gives the connotation also of just a failed operation, like a dry, like it's yeah. a wash. Yeah, it's a wash. <laughs> well, uh, this particular battle was so it, it was multiple hours. This fight went on too, which is uh, insane. Um, and it'll actually result in I found this one dead too. Uh, four Medal of Honor recipients uh, for their actions that day at the Battle of Big Dry Wash. Of course, neither of them are going to be uh, um, Al Sieber or Big Bad Tom Horn, but. It is four um, right. four officers are given uh, the, the Medal of Honor for this. Now, Tom is actually the guy who stands out a lot during the battle, though, because um, he's able to lay down more covering fire. He actually is able to sneak through. Um, I believe he's on the shorelines, the banks of this dry wash, if you will. He goes opposite of the Apache. So he's sticking his neck out by himself almost and just, again, throwing lead down range and you know letting the boys uh, you know, retaliate, retaliate with hate. <laughs> Some of that lead is hitting, hitting, so. What was the line, Kahuna? Retaliate with hate and then they multiply? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> when we can sneak in a BIG reference, we will here, folks. All right. Um, anyhow, uh, that your big takeaway from this one is that, uh, once again, Tom Horn is proving that when it's time to go face-to-face, he's not the one who's going to blink. So... He's becoming very well known amongst the cavalry, the settlers, and now also the Apache, Dad. Mm -hmm. This is going to lead us into a little campaign where the entire United States military is going to go after a guy, Dad. He's not somebody to be be messed with. No. uh, Tom Horn's actually a part of the campaign to help track down the legend that is Geronimo. Geronimo. One of the most badass Apaches of, of all. Yep. And uh, he's more than just the final scene in Cheers, folks. Okay. There's a whole story behind him. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, Again, just to give you a little time frame here, it's 1885. Tom Horn is now a well-known, Wild West, battle-tested badass. And that's going to earn him a new position with the military as the chief of scouts. So between being tested on the field of battle and also against the Apache, uh, he's going to have a little time here too. Or maybe he's going to go help chase down Geronimo. Maybe Tom Horn's heavily involved with uh, the efforts that lead to um, the capture, if you will, and the infiltration of one of Geronimo's great strongholds. So uh, the campaign is successful largely because of the efforts of one Tom Horn. So the legend's only going to continue to grow here. Now, do they? Co- how much of that do they cover in the movie as a guy who didn't see it? They will watch it over this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, that's uh, my recall of the movie, Tom Horn with Steve McQueen, that that is his later life. This was after uh, after all of this took place. There's That's a problem with this guy too, Cahoons, is that there's about seven movies you could make about uh, Tom Horn. So- uh, and again, the Steve McQueen version is yeah. Not which accurate. chapter of his you life say that is really a bad know. thing? I just I just see a trilogy. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, now again, yeah. But finally, if I may, here please. Finally, on September the fourth, eighteen eighty six, uh, just to put a, a timestamp on this thing, um, that's where Tom Horn was present at uh, Geronimo's final surrender, and uh, he was one of the interpreters uh, and everything else under. Uh, under uh, Charles uh, Gatewood, who was the uh, the leader of that that capture, if you will, of, of Geronimo, and they've been chasing after Geronimo for you know for years, and then finally in 1886, um, he 
finally uh, is instrumental in the finding and uh, capturing of uh, of Geronimo. And again, because of his linguistics, being able to speak a little bit of Apache <laughs> and a little bit of Spanish and a little bit of English and everything else that he's able to. And a uh, little bit of Mary. Yeah. And a little bit of uh, Catherine on my <laughs> life. Mambo number five. There you go. Jesus. Um, this guy's talented. Uh, now, now, after he after the whole Apache campaign, if you will, I mean, he's he's proven himself uh, as a you know a, a badass and somebody that you definitely want to have in a in a fracas. Um, after the war, he takes some of the money that he um, earns, if you will, with the army and starts his own ranch. And I think this is this was kind of key too that in uh, instrumental in his life, not only having a father to beat the shit out of you and bullies beating you up and then shooting your dog with a shotgun. I'm going to say those guys don't want to mess with him and they are largely responsible for turning him into the killing machine he's becoming. Yeah, well, now it's, uh, you know, his, his army career, if you will, um, is kind of over and he took some of his earnings and started his own ranch in, in Arizona. Right. He's taking the money from the Apache Wars and he quite, you know, sets up a little shop for himself. He's got a great uh, piece of property here. He's going to live quietly and peaceful on that property and end his days surrounded by family and loved ones. Right, Dad? <laughs> there you go. And right? riding off into the sunset. Not on a show called American Loser, folks. No. All right. Uh, but he had a pretty decent sized ranch uh, and um, – uh, you know, he had a hundred cattle and a bunch of horses and, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to be the, the cowboy, oh, uh, living wrong, the cowboy man. dream kind of a thing. Unfortunately, it was uh, short lived because, uh, cattle thieves or rustlers came in and stormed his uh, ranch one night and stole all of his, uh, all of his stock. So all his horses, all his cattle and everything else are, are stolen from him and it basically bankrupted him. So Over 100 cattle and at least 26 horses. And in one foul swoop, these rustlers came in and took everything. Yeah. So his so, entire career, he worked for this, finally sets himself up to do a little honorable and respectable type of living. Okay. After being, you know, literally turning into a bit of a killing machine on the government dime. Uh, and now, you, like you said, Dad, it's gone overnight in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So much for civilian life. Uh, they fucked around and they found out. Yeah. They're going so, to. Um, that enters his next chapter in life where he is then becoming a what they call a range detective now a range <laughs> detective is really a hired gun a hired law um Walker, that Texas Ranger. you got these guys that just stole all of his cattle left him bankrupt so now he's going to go into the profession of finding out who these guys were going after them and uh bringing about their own form of justice. Now, again, you're in the Wild West here, too. So it's not like you're going to, you know, call up 911 and report, uh, you know, a B&E in, uh, in your backyard or something. But it said, there's, there's a stranger in my backyard, you know. Uh, I'm not sure whether he's reading the meter or whether he's uh, <laughs> going to do me some harm. But uh, that's his new job. He's going to become a, a range detective. So he's going to help other ranchers prevent the uh, rustling uh, in uh, in his whoever he hires or whoever hires him out I should say so kahuna your first maybe maybe you do it as a series kahuna all right okay. and your first couple episodes is him coming up becoming a badass you know what I mean that young childhood stuff and then now he's gonna quiet you know settle down a little bit he's got a nice life here and then like we said blink of an eye everything's gone <clears throat> and then dad he's got a set of skills 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. That's right. He's got a particular set of skills. That's right. From the movie Taken, right? And um, it's interesting because a guy now, they don't realize, I'm sure these cattle rustlers don't realize that they just robbed a guy who was present at Geronimo's surrender. I don't think that would be something they would, you know, uh, right. maybe some apprehension if they had known. Um, but this is going to instill in Tom a hatred of cattle rustlers and thieves to the point where he does not feel any sympathy for them because they ruined his life. They bankrupted this poor guy. So his skills are limited though, dad. He's, uh, he's really good at tracking people down. He's comfortable with killing them. He's a great shot. <laughs> and he actually especially enjoys killing people he hates like thieves. <laughs> Welcome to episode two, Kahuna. That's right. Tom Horn, gun for hire. <laughs> now, lucky for Tom, quite a few cattle companies are looking for a loss prevention associate. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Asset protection Tom is going to enter into the, uh, the fray here. Tom excels at his new career due to his useful prior experiences, his affinity for punishing those that sought to do wrong, a.k.a. steal, um, and his ability to pull the trigger without remorse. Horn is often quoted about having, quote, more faith in his trigger than the courts, which is a little bit of unfortunate foreshadowing since we started the story at the very end of it. Um, Tom, you were right. Don't trust the courts, okay? Sometimes they get it right, but... We also have a court system that's set up, as Ben Franklin said, we would rather see a thousand guilty men go free than one innocent man to be hanged. And whether you want to decide Tom Horn was innocent or guilty, we'll set the table for you. You make your decision. And by the way, comment, DM me, let me know. And uh, our boy, uh, Jason Ruskowski, I, I, Jason, you've been down with us since day one, bro. You're good. You're a Jersey dude. I love you. You send me a lot of great stuff on there. All the fans of the show actually send us great stuff. But uh, Jason's been with us forever. And Jason, you just disrupted this very show by sending me an Instagram reel, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so let me know what you think, Jay, all right? And uh, I think I got his name wrong. His wife made fun of him and said uh, we called him Rumpelstiltskin on the show. That's how bad <laughs> That's how bad these Irish fellows are at uh, <laughs> Polish names. There you go. But again, uh, Tom is not trigger happy, though, to be very clear here. He's happy to shoot, but it's not his first move, Dad. He's got a little thing he likes to do. Um, he brings a little bit of attention to himself when he enters a town to protect uh, some of these uh, assets, which is, again, cattle and livestock. But uh, did you get anything about what his moves were when he went into town? No, but he would. Uh, he's an intimidating fellow that uh, when, you, when, Tom, when you first meet Tom Horn, he's got a way of uh, making his presence known. And anybody who might be on the outside of the law or have done somebody else a wrong, you might want to think about relocating. Yeah, he walks into the saloon wearing shades. I'm here <laughs> to kick ass and chew bubble gum. There you go. And I'm all out, out of, of bubble, bubble gum. gum. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's a perfect use of uh, a They Live reference, okay? We will always welcome John Carpenter references on this show. <laughs> So that being said, uh, he does like to show up. He's using – he's re not resting on his laurels, but he's making sure everybody knows. He goes, hey, that's Tom Horn over there. So your cattle shows up in town with Tom Horn. Your cow's going to leave town intact as long as it leaves with Tom Horn. You know what I mean? So he's resting on his laurels to a degree. Um, the reputation precedes him, and he makes sure that he's seen. And he also doesn't mind warning people a little bit. I wouldn't do that if I was you, that kind of a thing. Um, and pretty much it ended. There's actually reports of certain towns in the uh, northern Laramie section of uh, Wyoming that he went out to. And uh, he literally 
three or four families would move away because they were like, well, we were making our living off cattle rustling. And then that damn Tom Horn came over, (laughs) put an end to that real quick. Imagine your family made their living off of robbing Home Depot and one loss prevention associate showed up and you're like, well, jig is up, folks. We're out of here. So that line in uh, Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood, right? Dying's not much of a living boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Now, uh, he did prefer to intimidate and warn before violence. But if you were dumb enough to ignore Tom's warnings, he didn't let you get away with being stupid twice. All right. Uh, Horn's involvement in disrupting cattle rustling, uh, also a little known affair um, referred to as the Pleasant Valley War. Pleasant Valley War. That sounds like... um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah here we are in pleasant valley yes welcome to Cue pleasant valley and, war yeah yes it's uh it's ranch dressing and atomic buffalo sauce colliding <laughs> <laughs> but uh he also has a little bit of a foray into working in law enforcement and that's going to lead to tom horn being recruited heavily heavily dad by various outfits as a sort of bounty hunter slash range detective like you were saying essentially gun for hire to a degree But he's known. People are often commenting about his tough reputation, stern demeanor. He's also calm under pressure and he's got this tougher than nails reputation. You combine that with a man who can shoot straight and his ability to track down just about any target in what is very much the wild, wild west that we think of and know of. Um, You're going to be the ideal hire for a certain detective agency back north, Dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. The Pinkertons. The Mm. Pinkerton National Detective Agency. And uh, if you are a fan of the show Deadwood, uh, as uh, as as de- a devotee as uh, as I am, um, Al Swearingen has some of the best lines ever. You would just hear him say, "These Pinkerton cocksuckers from back north," <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like locusts. Yeah. So. Well, actually, the Pinkerton National Detective Agency were the ones that originated the whole idea of a private eye, because part of their their logo, if you will, was the ever-seeing eyeball, and that that became the, uh, the, the private eye. You could hire you could hire those guys out for whatever. I mean, it, yeah, he is law enforcement, but it's a private law enforcement Whose agency. Whose law are you enforcing, good sir? <laughs> right, right. Are the Pinkertons helping to break up labor strikes? Yeah. Well, Perhaps, Dad. That's an episode uh, for sure, the are pin- they, just the Pinkertons. Are private detective agencies helping to undermine the Molly Maguires from within? Mm-hmm. Let's ask Sean Connery. Yeah. So um, the Pinkertons are about as corrupt as anything, as any agency is prone to do, especially when they're driven by profit. You have to profit in order to be up. Ethics comes later in one of these things, okay? So the Pinkertons are about as corrupt as anything. Now, what's the time frame here? Because LP, you printed out- I wouldn't out, say corrupt though, Kevin. They, I mean, they're going to- They have a protect, for that. <laughs> they're going to- they're going to protect the interests of whoever they're hired by. They're not law and order. They, you're right. That's an w- excellent way to put it, actually. There's sometimes you want the Pinkertons to show up and there's sometimes you don't. Right. Uh, and I'm going to say that uh, if Tom Horn is the one they're sending after you, you're hoping the Pinkertons don't show up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what is your time frame here on the old uh, sheep boards you printed out, Dad? Is that going to go into the Colorado? Well, that, that wasn't a, a, a set prescribed kind of a thing because that actually went up into, the, I believe, the 1920s actually. But um, yeah, this this whole – Era, uh, the, the zeitgeist of Ooh, the time. Lawrence Patrick, you, <laughs> there you we go. German, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that um, there's a lot of things happening in here. It just says we can't really take one part of history and, and isolate it without all kinds of interaction with other things. But there's something that happens nationally called the Homestead Acts, 
where um, the United States government um, would um, allow people to apply for ownership of uh, public uh, public lands. And uh, this was a program that had many nuances back and forth through the years. But the biggie happened in, I believe, 1862, where the uh, the Homestead Act of 1862 opened up millions of acres out primarily out west. So, I mean, and, and this isn't something that was just unique to the United States. I mean, if you've got a, a government that just acquired all new territories, um, they're really not yours until you can put your people into them. Yes. So you're going to open. I mean, we saw that with uh, Mexico. Mexico tried to do it by inviting Americans into Texas, and only that kind of backfired on them. Um, but um, the Homestead Act of 1862 opens up millions of acres of government property, um, and you know, all in all, through through all the years and all the variations of this original Homestead Act. Um, the United States gave away 1.6 million uh, homesteaders um, um, to give away property that almost – it became like I think somewhere in a neighborhood of 160 million acres of public land. That's a lot of property. That's that like, used to be how the United States government would get itself out of um, money troubles. Anytime that the government had problems, they would right. sell land or get rid of land and then eventually they ran out of land. Now, here's the funny part. If you want to know how current this Homestead Act is still going on here, Dad, a couple of years ago, uh, Nathan Nicole Marie Condit um, guest on the show for uh, the uh, Dodge and Ford episode. Right. Um, he was offered $15,000 by the uh, state of North Carolina if he was willing to purchase a home in their area because they were still trying to get uh, incentivizing <laughs> population votes. Okay. All right. Yes. So this is still very much a common thing going on here. At the time though, th picture it this way. They're asking you, they're saying, hey, there's land to be had out here. It's free. It's yours. You can own it. Um, but you do have to come out here by yourself. Uh, it, it's going to take – it won't happen in my lifetime or your lifetime, but one of Kahuna's multiple lifetimes. Kahuna is, by the way, just a giant oversized cat that uh, is very good with electronics. Um <laughs> Kahuna is immortal. So he will see this. Someday they're going to offer people homestead acts on another planet, Dad. There you go. That's kind be of the, what it's going to be. Be the first, uh, you know, I got waterfront property in Arizona for you, but uh, <laughs> um, I got waterfront property on the moon for you. That same kind of a thing. But, you know, all in all, throughout the, the history and all the variations of these various homestead acts, 10% of the total area of the United States was given away free. 10%. And you think about that. 10% of the United States was, was given away to people just to just to populate those particular areas. And I think the last really on a federal basis was probably uh, up in Alaska. But, uh, you know, rather than dive down that freaking wormhole, you got a lot of people that are now clamoring for this government property. And depending on what era we're talking about. It's like 160 acres or could be even 320 uh, acres. And men and women uh, both would have an opportunity or heads of households would have the opportunity to uh, stake claim, if you will, and enter a lot of people who are now staking out these, you know, relatively small ranches where the people that were there after the Native Americans or primarily cattle cattlemen, and they had a thing going on called free range. In other words, they were just letting their cattle, everybody would put their cattle out there and, and graze on the free range. And now we've got all these 
newcomers coming out there. Goddamn free grazers. Free grazers, <laughs> right. I mean, uh, you know, open range with uh, Kevin Costner was a, is a great movie. And that, who else, that Dad? That. Who else is in that movie? Um, who was that? Uh, that was, uh, you tell me. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> in the back of me hand, huh? Uh, <laughs> the Robert Duvall? Oh, yeah, there you go. Bobby. Bobby Duvall. <laughs> oh, Friends Bob, call him Bobby. Bobby D. <laughs> yeah, Bobby D. But, uh, yeah, great uh a great movie and probably one of the greatest uh, shootout scenes of all time. Dare but, I say uh, the best. Yeah. Um, but anyhow. It explores that topic. Um, that's why we're bringing it up. It's not random, folks. All right. It's all planned. Um, also enter some of these small farmers, but also enter these freaking sheep herders. So now you've got sheep farmers. Sheep? Coming I love sheep. Sheep are coming out onto the grasslands, the, these open range areas of what was – predominantly cattlemen and the sheep are bringing um you know the sheep eat the grass down to the nub that the the grass actually died and there's a lot of reasons why the cattlemen did not get along with the sheep and then the sheep might have been in, infected with this mite that uh also infects the cattle and it, there's a whole lot of things but this wasn't just you know a mild confrontation this this came this came to shooting wars i mean um cattlemen and, and the sheep uh, herders are shooting at one another and the cattlemen are taking it there was i mean in texas in arizona in wyoming uh new jersey <laughs> well not, not so much in new jersey but uh, i saw something <clears throat> it was in lakewood earlier no it started it started in in new jersey but of course it all centers on new jersey but um I mean, people are being killed and sheep are being driven over, over cliffs to the tune of like, you know, thousands upon thousands of, of these sheep are being slaughtered by the cattlemen. Uh, and also the sheep herders are being shot. And this is, this is a whole back and forth. And people are now starting to form their own personal private armies, if you will, to uh, lay claim to what was ours and what's not ours and and to the rustlers that if you got all these cattle out on the open range who's to say that your cow is not my cow and you know my cow is not your cow and back and forth and we're going to be changing brands it's almost like it's the wild west Dad. yeah it's almost uh, like what it's almost like the the wild west yeah absolutely but um you know so there's a lot of different things coming to play here um, with these sheep wars. And again, this was not something that was isolated to one little spot in Texas. It was also in, in Arizona. It was in Wyoming. It was in Colorado. So uh, if you're thinking cattle and Old West, you're also thinking sheep wars because this took place all over the place. In Wyoming alone, there were about 24 attacks and at least six deaths from 1879 to 1909. So this isn't <laughs> this isn't something back in the 1860s, 1870s. This thing, this thing went on and on and on for uh, uh, for a long, long time. But uh, anyhow, our our friend Tom Horn is now being hired by, you know, it's it's debatable as to which side he was really working for. Uh, and I guess they still can't tell. That's not proven yet. And by the way, if you asked him, he said he was just a mediator. So it, it, Tom's very clever here. This is another um, – this is where his hero villain stuff is going to come out for you here, Cahoons. Um, now, like I was saying earlier, these Pinkertons were going to wind up hiring um, Tom Horn to do you know, asset protection. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's a lot going on here with it. And loss prevention. Loss prevention. Is a better term, that, right? <laughs> so here's what's interesting. You're hiring Tom Horn. And Tom Horn, if you look at the, the if you want to go absolutely as basic as possible, black and white, uh, put the uh, square peg in the square hole. Um, Tom Horn is being hired. He goes, I'm Tom Horn. I hate thieves. And, uh, <laughs> and then the Pinkertons say, hey, what if we hire you to stop people from being thieves? I love that because I hate thieves. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're going to kill these thieves, right? And he goes, yes, I am. I'm going to kill the thief. Why are people stealing stuff? There, there's a bigger thing going on over here, which leads us to something we have to kind of mention. And ironically enough, Dad, these Pinkertons are going to, pun intended, um, irony intended, and foreshadowing intended, they're going to give Tom Horn enough rope to hang himself with during the hotly contested Johnson County Wars. Okay, so we already have the Sheep Wars. You have the Pleasant Valley War. Okay, um, you Pleasant have- Valley Sunday Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Chicken Wars as well. Pleasant um, Valley Ranch. Mm, indeed. Dressing. Now, in short, this increasing tension is going on between large cattle operations and smaller ranches, and it's going to lead to not the first and certainly not the last, but a clear example of a class warfare scenario. The big outfits are attempting to stop the mom and pop outfits, if you will. So again, it's uh, um, let's. I'm trying to think of a bad company that I hate that will never sponsor this show. <laughs> um, there you go, and not going to sue our ass. Exactly, Disney. Uh, <laughs> well, it. it uh, <laughs> well, you curse too much to get us on Disney, Kahuna. <laughs> anyway, these Johnson County wars are insane. They're straight up wild. Um, they're the large cattle operations. Now, if you're a large cattle operation, Kahuna, you got a little bit of scratch, right? You're worth some money here. Yeah. And the only way you're going to stay worth money is if you protect your assets. So what's a worthwhile investment to protect your assets? Someone who knows the lay of the land. Like, yeah. Maybe a little gun for hire action. Yeah. Makes yep. sense. Exactly. So I actually met a guy, I won't say, uh, uh, he's, he holds public office in New Jersey, great guy, I won't say what town. Um, he, uh, his moonlighting gig is actually liquor delivery. And he uh, told me that uh, they get retired um, cops to come in because they're allowed to carry weapons. So that there are still armed guards with trucks full of liquor going into various places in uh, New Jersey. Ironically enough, guess who also works in the same business for the same company? Chuck Wepner, the real life Rocky, the Bayonne oh, Bleeder. What? Yep, that is his. When he retired from getting punched in the face by Muhammad Ali, um, he was like, "You know what? I need a simpler gig." That's what. You- <laughs> yeah, there's only some fights here. There's always a fight with Muhammad Ali. Um, but my point being is that that business, uh, you have to have tough guys to do this. Tom Horn's a tough guy, and as we've already kind of explained, he does not mind killing people. He's also got a brain to him. So. You kill a uh, dog in front of him too, man. You're fucked. Yeah, extra bad. dog. Oh, don't don't PTSD that boy. Um, the big outfits are going to attempt to stop the smaller outfits from competing. Uh, and now the smaller outfits, they're not necessarily. We always hear mom and pop shop. Um, and whenever you talk about class warfare, I always laugh because um, there's that great episode of uh, South Park, I believe, where um, Tweaks Coffee. The local coffee shop in town is outraged <laughs> at uh, like a Starbucks type place mm-hmm. moving in. And then everybody's like, yeah, get out of here. We don't want your big corporate. And then they try the coffee. Like, this is really good. Man, Tweaks coffee sucks. <laughs> you know, it tastes like cat piss, I think is the line. <laughs> so we always have a sympathy for a mom and pop shop here. But what was happening too that was forcing the hand of the big cattle operations is the smaller operations were saying, well, I mean, if we if they're not going to play fairly, we shouldn't play fairly either. 
we're going to swipe some cattle every now and then. Yeah, it is. And uh, what does Tom Horn, in his black and white, super basic way of looking at things, hate the most? <laughs> thieves. 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 Doesn't matter if you're doing it for a, a, you know, a Robin Hood type reason. Thieving is thieving, fool. Right. So. Yeah, and there was a lot of other things going on here. Now you got um, these sheep herders coming in, and there's, so there's a lot of competition with that. There's a lot of competition amongst the uh, the, the cattlemen themselves. And, you know, cattle was like the coin of the realm, if you will. The beef, beef gritters, that was mm, Beef huge. coin. That was beef coin. <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin, beef coin. Um, but cattle prices actually peaked in 1882. So, this is the time frame oh, that we're, we're, right, we're right, in, right in that same time frame. So, all these sheep wars and now cattle prices have peaked in 1882, um, which – is now drawing more cattlemen, if you will, into the area. So there's more competition. If you're going to make bucks, you're going to make bucks with cattle. But uh, soon there's going to be a, a beef glut. Everybody's getting into that. So now we've got an overabundance of beef. So what happens with that? Or supply and demand, prices start going down. So what Where's are you going to do beef? To, com to compete with that? You're going to put more cattle in there, right? You got to raise more cattle in order to bring up uh, the bottom line. Um, and then, Add to that, there's a drought in 1886, followed by a terrible winter in 86, 87, and the cattle business is is really on the ropes. They're they're almost wiped out. So there's a lot of a lot of forces coming to play here. It's like the perfect storm of what's going on, and then um, there's. Uh, a lot of these immigrants are coming into the territory Ugh. with this whole homestead thing and a Let lot of small the land Irish. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll take the blacks, but not the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Blazing saddles, right? Um, but yeah, that whole That's kind a hundred dollar hand cart. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. And now the uh, you know, this the the old school, the old money, if you will, this uh, Wyoming Stock Growers Association was once a very powerful uh, organization within that. And that, if you want to say is big money, big business, that would be it, the Wyoming Stock Growers Association. And they're going to do whatever they can to prevent additional losses and – to their mind, what's really going on with this is these cattle rustlers, these thieves, these people are coming in, uh, these homesteaders or who that, whoever it is, these cattle rustlers are stealing our cattle and driving our bottom line further into the into the. So you got a little dough, you bring in the Pinkertons. Now, interestingly enough, Dad, the Pinkertons sometimes don't want to directly involve themselves. So actually, Tom Horn will use various different uh, aliases. And maybe is being uh, directed uh, from uh, maybe behind uh, closed doors. We uh, we here at the Pinkertons can't get directly involved in this. However, if you were to do this, you would find support from us in a financial uh, compensatory manner. Right. And it also, um, it's not really going to be advertised. Hey, we just hired Tom Horn to protect our interests. And exactly. that's Tom Horn at the door right there. So, you know, they're uh, – they're going about it in a – He went by various names. He went by uh, Tom Hicks, I think Tom Hale, uh, Christian Cordes. He had several <laughs> names he went by and operated underneath. <laughs> That's it. Um, in order to – Going back to his Spanish days. Right? It's a, <laughs> okay. <laughs> another Cortez was out in Arizona not too long before. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, here's what's interesting. Think about this one for a second. To try to give you 
again, my father used the word the zeitgeist, which is uh, the perfect term because it's what we're talking about. Um, this Johnson County Wars thing is getting a little bit crazy over here because the small operations can't afford to hire the gunslingers. The gunslingers are coming in. Now, more and more of them are showing up almost to the point of an invasion. Imagine you see this in like a lot of the great Westerns will do this where it's uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, there's four guys standing at the saloon across the street staring you down. Next day you come out and there's six. Next day you come out and there's 10. Eh, slowly, the everybody's starting to size each other up. Who's got the bad motherfucker? Who's got this? You know, we're trying to figure it all out. The tension is growing to a point in Johnson County where – these fake authorities, these hired guns, uh, again, from using various uh, aliases and then also uh, not directly being paid by the Pinkertons. But all of a sudden, these gunslingers are showing up and they're operating uh, with a sense of autonomy. And uh, the local authorities are getting a little bit spooked by it. And the local authorities are being backed by the smaller operations who are saying, if I have to brandish a firearm in order to protect my own, uh, I will. So now you're getting this very tense standoff it could be. It's starting to turn. I mean, there was a Mormon war not too long ago. It's a little bit concerning. <laughs> right. Check that one out. Lose right. reception. Not lose reception, but just check out the back catalog, folks. We do this all for as low as $3 a month. Okay. Enjoy. <laughs> it's going to have to change soon. But um, Tom Horn is going to be operating almost as a, a one-man hit squad during this time frame here. President Benjamin Harrison actually has to get involved with this Johnson County Wars. That's how intense it's getting out there. Uh, now- Tensions are getting that high in the Old West. Justice becomes a little bit of a blurry line. So old Tom Horn is going to be accused by several murders by his detractors, but also credited with solving several problems by his supporters. So wouldn't that be great, Kahuna? You can do wrong and be rewarded for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, we love you, Kahuna. So we are always going to say good things about you. But if somebody didn't like the Kahuna, they would say, oh, yeah, and he's a murdering sack of shit. But here's the thing. But then you'd be like, but his hugs, though. Those thugs. <laughs> yeah, he killed someone, but like, yeah. we can't put away someone who gives hugs that way. Have way. you ever seen the boy smile? <laughs> and we haven't had too many wrestlers lately either since uh, I was gonna say, Tommy we, Horn showed up. Exactly. Now, Horn may have been a villain or an asset, depending on who you speak to, but nobody, and the rock means nobody, wants to cross the man who had been known to track down and take in some of the territory's deadliest thieves without often even having to fire a shot. Two of the deadliest guys in Colorado that were known to be desperate rapscallions, for lack of a better word, um, went without firing a shot just on the name of Tom Horn. They pretty much surrendered after they were tracked down and taken in. Like, hey, Tom Horn's here for you. And he goes, oh, uh, guess we're going to jail. Yeah. Did the boy knock out? Is it tryptophan? No, I'm here. Kuna had, Kuna had Friendsgiving before this guy's all right. So somebody somebody killed this man with <laughs> he's, he's in turkey coma. <laughs> I'm not kidding, dude. I'm so sorry. I'm like feeling it. Oh, don't worry. We're wrapping up, cuz I promise. Um, but here's the thing. I'm like enthralled by this story, and I can't wait to tell you my casting couch. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. All right, hang in there. Hang in, in there. On a high note, then, folks. I mean, you got to do better than Steve McQueen and Chris Bauer. Oddly enough. Horn oh. would be the prime suspect in four, count them, four murders or problem-solving efforts, depending on who you talk to, during the Johnson <laughs> County War. He's able to evade the convictions, charges, and any jail time due to his officially unofficial employment as a Pinkerton. Years later, William A. Pinkerton himself is quoted in a book, which, by the way, was called The Two Evil-isms. This is the name of a book that came out, Coda, written by a former Pinkerton agent uh, who was heavily involved in a lot of these things out west. Uh, the two evil isms, Pinkertonism and anarchism. 
So he's saying <laughs> Pinkertons are bad because they showed you how corrupt the system can be, but also no system, aka anarchy, is pretty bad as well. Uh, this guy actually gets a quote from William A. Pinkerton himself. He quotes him as saying, Horn was definitely guilty of these crimes, but we couldn't afford to have him jailed while he was in our employ. So, and Kahuna, by the way, brought this book up right now. It's Charlie Seringo. Seringo. I'm not sure how he pronounces it, but you can buy his book used for $12.98. You can also watch my <laughs> special for free on YouTube. I love you more. Escape from Jacksonville, KP Burke. And KP's alive. So. <laughs> Again, so these are four murders, straight up murders during these Johnson County wars that the Pinkertons are just like, listen, we're going to bribe the judges. We're going to bribe law enforcement, whatever we have to do. There's no way that Tom Horn's going to jail because he's working for us and we can't have him ratting on us. So that's another thing that's going to come into play here in a second. You never rat on your friends, Henry. All right? <laughs> you popped your cherry, Henry. You didn't rat on your friends. So again, Horn definitely guilty of the crime here. The year is now 1895. And we've noticed as uh, without this entire story here, when Horn is given authority to do so, he kills the people he feels he has to. Known horse and cattle thieves keep winding up dead, and often the credit goes to Tom. Sometimes absolutely him. Other times they've just – it's a better story to say it's, Tom Horn. It's suspicion. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's highly suspected. Well, Dad, a very strange incident will occur in – uh, I almost said 1986, 1896, when Horn will actually write a letter because, again, he is a man who can read and write here, rare for the time, especially in his line of work, especially in his location of the country. He can read and write, and he will write a letter to a, the, uh, one of the marshals out in Arizona – who's having a hard time with this uh, this gang led by a fellow by the name of William Christians, who are uh, known, of, uh, known to be a, a rough crew of cattle rustlers. And uh, weird thing. I mean, the, the marshal never actually officially writes back to him. They can't really prove if he was ever hired or maybe even if Tom Horn ever wound up there. But wouldn't you know it, uh, William Christians was killed later that year by an unknown assailant. Yeah, just disappeared. And his second in command, the guy who probably would have taken over the job, Vanish without a trace, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. Tom Horn is the Grim Reaper of the Rockies, baby. One of the things that I found that was kind of interesting too, uh, right in this time frame, the 1894, 95, 96 kind of a thing, uh, at that time, Wyoming Governor W.A. Richards, well, he's experiencing some cattle thefts on his own range in the Northwest Wyoming. And he has uh, contacts with this, um, uh, the Cattlemen's Association. And the Cattlemen's Association and the governor's office were like just a couple of doors away from one another. <laughs> and it didn't want to be perceived that he had contact with Tom Horn directly. So he makes arrangements that he's going to – the governor is now going to meet Tom Horn at the Cattlemen's Association's office, which is only a couple of doors away from the governor's and office. And Billy the Kid can tell you, you're always <laughs> safe meeting with a governor. Okay? Yeah, there you go. Let, let William H. Bonney tell you. So he tells Horn about his troubles that he's having with his own cattle thefts and on his own property in northwest Wyoming. And um, you know the governor is very much taken by how – cool, calm, and collected Mr. Horn is and just discusses the situation. And, uh, and um, when he's finished uh, the job at the governor's uh, office or something, or the governor's satisfaction, uh, they decided that he was going to uh, pay Horn 300, he only wanted $350 in advance, advanced money, so he could buy the horses and pack outfits and everything else that he would need to track down these guys that are rustling the, the governor's uh, own cattle. 
Um, but he said that, uh, I thought this was a great quote, that at the conclusion of the job, uh, to the go- if the governor was completely satisfied, he would receive an additional $5,000. And he said, in conclusion, when everything else fails, I have a system which never does. <laughs> so if we can scare them off just by the name Tom Horn or whatever it might take to scare off or to eliminate this problem of uh, the governor's own cattle being um, – uh, systematically uh, rustled, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's got a system, and when everything else fails, his system never fails. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a sure thing. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So now he is, uh, he's cooler than ice, man. Uh, and again, the uh, this is uh, 1896 here when uh, that incident's going on with uh, the marshal over in Arizona. Now, of course, world events are taking place around this time, Kahuna, and you didn't think we were going to be able to do this. You didn't think we were going to be able to sneak this in. He decides he wants to serve his country. Now, he's got some skill as a scout. He's got some other skill as a packer, which is kind of like helping to get uh, supplies and everything out to the people that need them. You know what I mean? Uh, That was something he did for the U.S. Cavalry. He winds up getting involved too. And uh, he actually witnesses – he gets involved with the United States during um, the Splendid Little War, if you will, also known as the uh, the Spanish-American War. Kahuna's already shaking his head, even in his tryptophan-induced coma. He knows <laughs> what a fucking name. He knows <laughs> that Tom Horn witnessed the Battle of San Juan Hill, fought by the Rough Riders under the guidance, leadership, and general badassery of one <laughs> Teddy Motherfucking the- Roosevelt Theodore. <laughs> That's right. Tom Horn, in essence, worked with old Teddy. Yep. TH and TR, baby. All right. Um, I should have seen it coming, but I, I didn't. I, I couldn't believe it was real. And by the way, it also helped me stutter, stutter step and stumble into what's going to be another episode of American Loser. And those who are lo- uh, loser devotees, we will be doing the two-party system here uh, in the next episode. We just didn't have time. I'm catching up over Thanksgiving. All right. I got a little bit of time off, man. I'm not on the road anymore. We're going to finish this bad boy up. Tom Horn has a wild story. Why the hell is this guy who's so cool on a show called American Loser? Is it because he's a murderer? We've covered murderers before. They're not all necessarily losers. And if he's killing cattle thieves and bad people, I don't think that the good settlers of the the West and the frontier out there are really complaining all that much that the people who are stealing from everybody else seem to keep disappearing anytime Tom Horn comes around or that his name alone is able to uh, persuade people maybe not to go down these negative paths. That being said, he winds up as a gun for hire out in the Colorado Range War. That is the heart of your open range free grazers versus everything else movement. That's some of the nastiest stuff here. Yeah, that was the big, the yeah. baddest. And we got to cover the specific thing for him here because we are out of time. So uh, if you guys want longer episodes, <laughs> little is $3 a month. You go over and you join up on the Patreon, man. We got some new people that came through. I appreciate that. And uh, we're making a little couple of tiny changes over there because uh, the show's great and we love doing it. We just got to be able to afford to continue to pay. <clears throat> The guy behind the ones and twos. Again, this Colorado Range War is going on here. And now, unfortunately, there's actually going to be a little bit of a quieter time here. I would say this is going to be your final couple episodes of your uh, limited series event, Kahuna, about the life of Tom Horn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tragic. Okay. It's absolutely tragic, Dad. Um, it's going to involve the death of a young man. And it's going to involve some, some a little bit of a family feud of sorts here. Uh, and of course, we're talking about the murder of uh, Willie Nickel, which uh, you got anything on that, LP? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, old uh, Tommy comes uh, and visits uh, some people by the name of Jim and Dora Miller. 
and they were cattle people. And um, did I just do this? I'm so sorry, dude. I I literally just. How the hell did I just do this? If you Google Tom Horn right now, um, and the Tom Horn we're talking about has- <laughs> It's not the first one that comes up on Google. No. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Charles Horn is the 25th Attorney General of Arizona. <laughs> Holy crap. Sorry about that, folks. Um, to have that name and to be out in the same state, that was a little bit of chaos for me there. I'm sorry about that. But our Tom Horn, the Tom Horn we're talking about- Continue, sir. Yeah, he's uh, he's visiting. He's out in he's in Wyoming. Um, the time frame now is 1901, so he's back from kicking the shit out of the Spanish and the <laughs> Spanish American War, and winning all kinds of battles with TR and everything else. Uh, and he comes back to uh, good old Wyoming, big wonderful Wyoming, and uh, he's visiting with some cattle folks, the uh, Miller family, Jim and Dora Miller. Yeah, the the Miller family, and they got a. a, a a pile of kids, um, a bunch of the, <laughs> a bunch of kids, um, and then there's a neighbor of theirs who's not necessarily um, <laughs> a friend of the Miller family because uh, they're sheep people. Um, so there's some friction right there. Doesn't matter and, if you're black, white, Asian, Spanish. Yeah, you don't mix cattle people and sheep people. That's it. That's They're building them in a lab in China. I have proof. <laughs> I have documents. That's right. Um, but anyhow, um, we're in the Iron Mountain area of Wyoming, and um, Tom Horns is visiting the Millers, and the neighbors to the Millers are the Nichols, um, and uh, the Nichols happen to be sheep people, and there's a few- They that- raise sheep. They're not hybrids. <laughs> I was curious for a second. Sorry. I may be uh, tired, but I'm not that tired. They're, they're, they weren't good neighbors. They were bad neighbors. <laughs> You're getting muted. Oh, wow. Please, please. LP, it's just me and you now, man. Oh, there you go. Is he off mic? Yeah, he's off Thank, mic. All right. We're going. We're continuing then. Yeah, all right. That was so bad it hurt. Um, but anyhow, the nickels are- I'm your son are, now, are, LP. Their livestock are uh, sheep, and um, they got a pile of kids. And there's a school teacher- who in the movie um, was quite the looker, Linda Evans. For those of us who Ooh. remember what Linda Evans looked like back in the day. Uh, Kuna, was... bring up a picture just, just for my dad, really. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she was also on the TV series The Big Valley, and she was definitely uh, – Oh, I know exactly. The... I, I'm sorry. I've Googled her before, actually. I, yeah. I'm not even kidding. I'd be watching uh, – that, that show would be on in the back. There you go. Linda, oh. really? She's in Tom Horn. Good honor, man. No, okay. she's, she was a hottie. But uh, uh, Glendalyn Kimmel, she's a young teacher at the Iron Mountain School, and she just happens to be living with the Nichols. She's boarding. She, in other words, she's renting a room with the with the Nickel family. And pretty much the only kids in that Iron Mountain School are either Miller kids or Nickel kids. And they said that in the schoolhouse – that family feud is going on all the time amongst the kids besides. So anyhow, there's there's uh, bad blood between the, the two families. And um, there's one of the young uh, Nichols kids is um, – yeah, what was his name again, Kev? Dime? Well, Willie Nichols. Willie Dime Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, Willie Nichols. And Willie Nichols – 
gets shot by his the the gate to the family homestead, if you will, that he's he's shot. And this is like a twelve or a fourteen year old kid that gets shot and killed. And it was from a long distance off, um, single shot kind of a thing, and uh, done him in, and he's he's gone. He's gone from the picture now. Who shot him? Well, there's there's an investigation as to who murdered uh, Willie Nickel. And anytime someone's dead around here, we got to look first and see for clues. And second, was Tom Horn anywhere in the area? Yeah. Um, so at this particular point in time, Tom Horn is really not making a lot of friends uh, with the locals, at least the small the small farm locals kind of a thing, because a lot of suspected cattle rustlers are either never seen again or wind up dead and there's nobody really to pin the rap on. And there's an election where the political forces uh, coming into play are changing, that the Cattlemen's Association is kind of losing some of their some of their grip on uh, the local political scene. Yeah. And uh, the county commissioners hire um, another stock detective and sometime Deputy U.S. Marshal Joe LaFors to, to, to investigate the crime. Um, really? His name was LaFors? LaFors. You, you do know there was a real LaFors, right? Real what? Okay. So Kahuna knows LaFors from Mallrats. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. That character is taken off of the guy that they sent after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh. And he wore the same hat that LaFors wears in Mallrats. That's a direct uh, reference oh. from that. Yeah. And by the way, Tom Horn did also <laughs> hunt down and arrest crap. two guys who were members of the Hole in the Wall gang. So Tom Horn, again, Steve McQueen plays him. And then Paul Newman obviously played um, uh, uh, Butch Cassidy. Right. And uh, the two of them had that beef over the towering Inferno code. I was just saying- and uh, the two of them would have been enemies in real life, uh, it, playing their prospective characters. Because Tom Horn might have been a guy you would have sent after him. And now, if LaForce is coming in and having beef with Tom Horn, LaForce is also the guy that winds up hunting down Butch and Sundance. And if you recall too, in the movie, Sun, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, after they make that robbery and they're trying to make their getaway, and the the posse is chasing after him and chasing after him and chasing after him, and it was one line like, "Who are those guys?" Well, those guys were Pinkerton Pinkertons. agents. Pinkerton's coming after him that they weren't going to leave any stone unturned and ride till uh, to the ends of the, ends ride of the till world they can't to no catch more. up with these guys. But anyhow, now this guy Joe LaForce is is called in to investigate this whole thing, and um, he he um, contacts Tom Horn um, to uh, why don't we why don't we come in here and sit down and have a little. Uh, have a little investigation here as about what the, all this rustling and uh, cattle rustling and shit just going on, and potentially to hire him. By the right. way, this was a pseudo job interview. And right, Tom Horn's a little tuned up in a job interview, which I know nothing about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> by, by the way, folks, if you show up drunk to the interview, they just think that's how you talk. Just saying. Okay? <laughs> that's right. Just so you know, that, that's my everyday voice, right? That's a yep. I <laughs> always slur my words. Uh, my eyes have been bloodshot since seventh grade. Yeah, but anyhow, LaForce uh, does dangle this job opportunity in front of Tom Horn, um, and Horn takes the bait, and um, they're up all night partying and drinking and everything else. Meanwhile, LaForce um, has two people um, 
a sonographer and a witness behind a locked door, like in another room. <laughs> so now they're they're drinking and they're partying and they're back and forth and they're getting a little braggadocious about this and that and remember wins and everything else. Meanwhile, he's got a, <laughs> a sonographer and uh, LaForce has a sonographer and a witness behind this locked door, stenographer, overhearing <laughs> all oh, of these no. all of these conversations and stuff and. Um, Horn kind of makes some incriminating remarks regarding the uh, nickel killing. Um, the most damaging was, uh, you know, it was recorded that, quote, it was the best shot that I ever made and the dirtiest trick I have ever done. But it's it's taken in context because, you know, it, it is also alleged that what he did say, if I made that shot, it would have been the best shot that I ever made and the dirtiest trick that I ever done. So he never really admitted to that. And again, he's he's all he just said up, he's all I didn't do it, but drunk. if I did, <laughs> yeah, I uh, didn't do it. it but. He wrote his OJ book. You are correct. Um, it, dude, it's wow, it's bad, man. Don't um, you got to be careful about things being taken out of context. Okay, um, you got to be careful about uh, trusting the legal system here. And then also, by the way, your reputation that was so convenient and such a a boon to you. Um, in helping you settle some of these disputes and these various uh, sheep versus cattle, uh, free grazers versus homesteaders, everything. You being Tom Horn is actually the thing that's going to be the downfall of Tom Horn. Right. Because he's got a reputation for killing. You're able to present that quote to the jury who – I mean it, it's – by the way, this is a crazy trial that's going on here when they bring him up on these charges. And uh, the Pinkertons, guess what, Kahuna? This is so crazy, right? The people that had your back no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Nowhere to be found. The Pinkertons disappeared. Anybody yeah. that was hiring Tom Horn was saying, you know what? This guy's been killing a lot of people. He's got a reputation as a killer. Uh, the times are changing. Maybe we don't really need uh, a man quite like you anymore. It's kind of like when you start seeing people distance themselves from somebody who's becoming, quote, problematic. Whoa. So this, might be a, this might be a convenient way. Right. So Tom Horn's a victim of cancel culture. I was um, just about to say, he's the first canceled person. Right. Oh, there's, we, we've been canceling people since day one. So yeah. nothing new here, folks. Well, Tommy wasn't noted for being a quiet quitter either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but they present that quote and a couple other things, which, by the way, uh, a drunken testimony should not be something that is used to literally dish out the death penalty. But uh, the reputation that Tom Warren had as a killer is going to be the thing that winds up setting him up to be sentenced to death by hanging by the state of Wyoming. And he's not really – he doesn't freak out too much. They put an appeal in. His legal team is coming through. There's a lot of people saying I was with him an hour after the murder occurred. He was 20 miles away. Nobody could get that far away at the time. Um, there's so many other things going on. Eyewitnesses, things that aren't quite adding up uh, and the – the evidence that they use to literally sentence this man to death is shaky at best. I think they tied in- Circumstantial. Um, ooh, good yeah. word. Good word. Um, so all that being said, unfortunately, as this guy's leading up to what he thinks is going to be his 40th birthday, he's just kind of killing time. Okay? And he's killing time right now. He winds up writing his own autobiography. And it's uh, Tom Horn. And, and he winds up, much like you were saying, Dad, about his, uh, his later life where they don't really talk about- um, uh, everything going on with his uh, – um, he doesn't talk about the case is what I'm trying to say in his book, his autobiography. Very little is written about the case because I think he probably thought – he goes, well, here's a good part one. And then when you know the appeal comes in and they overturn it because I didn't kill that kid and all they did was get me drunk, uh, you know, a, a drunk recording of me, if you will, or a drunk, uh, drunk writing of me saying something out of context, there's no way that this is going to hold up. And 
shit if it didn't hold up, man. Um, he does write his own autobiography. That's where we get a lot of the information about him. He does seem to not be a bullshitter about most of that book there. Uh, the bullshitting comes in from Hollywood with uh, the, the you know a great Steve McQueen movie that I look forward to watching, but definitely some creative liberties are taken over there. This man known to be a gun for hire, a hired killer, uh, sometimes in the Wild West in the Dime Store novels that can be seen as a hero. This guy is now being seen as a villain in the eyes of the people who decide that he is to be hung to death, executed via rope around the neck until he dies, dies, dies. Tom Horn never never gives up the names of those that had hired him during his various feuds. That might've been a play for him to get out of this death sentence. You know, maybe he'll go do time somewhere else, Kahuna. Mm -hmm. But what do you say? What, what, did, what did we learn? What did the great Jimmy Conway teach us? Don't fuck with TR. <laughs> no, Jimmy Conway from Goodfellas, real name Jimmy Burke, by the way, um, taught us one thing. He said, you never rat on your friends. And Tom Ward never ratted on anybody. And because of that, he winds up being executed in Cheyenne, Cheyenne Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Okay, his body actually gets relocated and is buried currently in Boulder, Colorado. Um, to this day, as soon as he was killed, by the way, um, people sat there and they said that it's one of those things where, like, hey, if he was going to jail, that might be one thing. You guys probably, you know, that might be a reach to have him killed. Uh, so I, again, he became a sympathetic figure. Most people thought that it was a, a, you know, a circumstantial evidence-based trial, as you would say, Dad, or bullshit kangaroo court. Let's get this guy out of our way. You right. Know, let's make sure. Let's tie up some loose ends. Let's let the legal system kind of close the book on old Tom Horn. Unfortunately, he's a victim of circumstance on that one. And by the way, a guy who openly said – there's a lot of people that thought a couple of things. There's One historian says that they do think Tom Horn killed him, but they don't think that he knew that he was killing a kid. Hard to tell from 300 yards away or 300 feet away, whatever it was, um, that you're shooting a 14-year-old boy instead of a, a, you know, a man. Mm -hmm. um, there's other people that say there's no way that it was actually him. Uh, and then one of the people that doubted that he did it himself and publicly said so was Geronimo. The guy he helped capture said, I know Tom Horn. I don't think that's something he would have done. Yeah, kill a kid. Geronimo, man. Yeah, and the other thing too is that Glendalyn Kimmel, the, the school teacher who was living with the Millers, right, uh, boarding uh, a room in in the Miller household, and, picture and knew Evans. both the Millers and the Nickel families and the, all of their kids. Um, she, um, after he was um, charged and, and tried, she um, wrote a letter to uh, the Wyoming Supreme Court to. Um, say that, you know, in her estimation, he was not guilty. It was probably old man Miller because of the feud that was going on uh -huh. between the two families that uh, while and that whole autobiography, he wrote, Horn wrote that autobiography while he was in jail. So, Correct. I mean, that was, uh, that was another, another, uh, a lot of the evidence. You got to pass wrote, the time while you're doing yeah, time. Right. So. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, who would know? Who would have uh, better insight than somebody living in that household as the knows the all the parties involved? Right. right now, if it was actually Linda Evans, she could have just sent like a signed picture of herself, and they probably would have been like, you know what? <laughs> you Let's go. let this guy out. You, you seem go. to care about this. You're a good kid. Um, and uh, the other thing too is that um, the kid was shot with a thirty thirty, but old man Miller also used a thirty thirty rifle. Mm -hmm. So and they uh, bought their ammunition at the same at store. The same, same store. So I mean, it was. Uh, it was uh, 
you know, uh, where they trumped up charges so that, hey, we, we have a way of having Mr. Horn just kind of quietly go away um, <laughs> or not so quietly go away. And again, the whole public sentiment towards Horn at this particular point, who wants to have a, a known murderer or not a known murderer, but a suspected murderer walking around your town kind of a thing. That, uh, that's, not a, uh, that's not a good vibe to have. Uh, good vibes Cheyenne, only. in Wyoming. No, but then at the same time, possibly just being like, you know what? We don't really want this guy around. Let's get him hung. Like, it's like, right. equally bad. Right. It was a convenient way to make things uh, a nice little neat package to wrap everything up with a bow on it. Yeah, before it we was... throw over to you for your uh, casting couch, Cahoons, LP, any final thoughts? Before no, you, no, I will, I will, I will uh, hold it there. Other than that, right before that whole trial of Tom Horn, there was also a political, uh, some politicos kind of rose to their greater fame, if you will, over the trial of, of Tom Horn. Of course. So if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, if the rifle shot makes it, um, it must have been Tom Horn. That's uh, It is a wild one, man. I thought this was a great one. I'm gonna, I look forward to checking out the movie. I'll even chime in on that a little bit too uh, in the next episode here. So guys, we are back on our regular schedule. We're going to be coming in and recording on Black Friday. Uh, this is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving we're recording right now. This episode will be out before Thanksgiving because the kahuna is the magic man, baby. I'm literally right. editing it right now. He is. He's not. I'm not even kidding. Uh, we're going to be back in studio on Black wait, Friday. You said the magic man? He is the magic man. So he's the one that Fleetwood Mac wrote the song about? I, you're not aware of this? No. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that. There you go. Man. The magic man. <laughs> you got to shake it and then you got to bake it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we're back on our regular schedule. So we're putting out our episode about the creation of the two-party system. It's a great, great thing that we stumbled on upon our episode about the Petticoat Affair. Uh, we're going to be back to putting out regular episodes on the regular here. My schedule's starting to calm down a little bit. It's great. If you want to, if you're in the greater New Jersey area, that means New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, the only guaranteed time to see me uh, this <laughs> month, okay, I, I, not even this month, uh, next month, because I, I pick up a lot of my gigs last minute. I was just over at the Stress Factory with uh, Bob Marley. Not even kidding. From Boondock Saints. It was awesome. Uh, great guy. And uh, there will be other opportunities to see me uh, popping in and out over here. But I am headlining, folks, the Dojo of Comedy at Tiff's and Morris Plains, a great room ran by a great guy, uh, Mike Romanelli, and uh, a great staff over there. And that's going to be December 10th. That is a Saturday night. Come on out, man. I'm headlining that bad boy. I'm bringing a couple of my friends with me. Some of them have been guests on this very show. And then also, I originally I have to get the rescheduled date. Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie got moved. It's not going to be December 9th anymore. Um, I got to talk to – they're another great crew over there, man. Cal Getter is a fantastic guy, great booker, great room. Little shitty that he books my ex-girlfriend to headline before me. But what are you going to do, right? I'm not Irish <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> kidding. So anyway uh, – and I want to say thank you real quickly to the uh, killer staff, um, BT and his crew down over at Side Splitters. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, full week at both the Wesley Chapel room that I was able to headline. Um, and we had a great time going up against uh, the Nick DiPaolo too, by the way. <laughs> Same draw, weekend. Yeah, had to draw against Nick DiPaolo who sold out the main room. Um, I won't say how many people were in my room, but it wasn't sold out. I'll say that much. <laughs> um, but we had a great time over there at the Wesley Chapel room. I look forward to coming back down there and doing that. The main room at Side Splitters, one of the great rooms, uh, great comedy rooms in the country, to be quite honest. And I was there with uh, Josh Adam Myers, who's a great guy and an uh, excellent hugger. Um, <laughs> we had a great weekend. We really did. It was a great weekend. So thank you to anybody who's checking the show out that came down to those shows. You guys are awesome. Please check out the free special, Escape from Jacksonville. It is on YouTube, performed and written by me at the Smod Castle. Kevin Smith tweeted about it. Christian Cordez filmed and edited it. Okay. And Kahuna was there to hang out. 
Um, means a lot to me. We actually just eclipsed 24,000 views on that one in total, which uh, that's not a lot by comparison to the big names. But guess what, folks? We're doing a little uh, a grassroots thing over here, and you're all a part of it. Just by listening to this, you're a part of it, and it means a lot to me. So keep supporting the clips out there if you can. Keep supporting the show. Again, come out and see me December 10th. It's probably my last guaranteed show of the year. Things are picking up with steam again, though. I will be down in Myrtle Beach January 20th and 21st, Dad. We just confirmed that one. Me and the legend Rich Voss are coming down to Myrtle Beach. If you're in South Carolina, come on through, man. It means a lot. Yell American loser out at me. Uh, <laughs> I'll know what you mean. The crowd will look at you funny, but I'll appreciate you. Okay? Uh, that being said, Kahuna, Kahuna, Ooh. you, sir, you and I have a couple of projects we actually have to bang out this year. This, not this year, but 2023 is our year, girl. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know, dude. I Just the... Uh just to give a sneak peek, the idea of even possibly writing the the Wild Bill Hickox and Calamity Jane rom-com is just gold. <laughs> and if we don't get – I'm not – those are my – my stipulation is it has to be Bill Hader and Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> well, that one's going to be a good one too. But I am curious now. So we already told you that Steve McQueen – uh, played the uh, infamous uh, Tom Horn, who, by the way, I think throughout the story, you guys realize he's um, you feel for him. Sometimes you love him. Sometimes you're like, "Ooh, this is not a good look for you, buddy. And then other times you're like, all right, well, they did him real dirty there at the end, didn't they? Mm -hmm. um, who would you be casting as Tom Horn in the Big Kahuna production of? The Tom Horn movie. All right. So my thought process was I was like, well, if you look at pictures of him, he's he is that stereotypical kind of Western-looking figure. He looks but, like my dad. Okay, keep got going. The stash. <laughs> he does have an awesome stash, but I'm not really aiming for that. I need someone with the chops that can creep you out even when they smile. Like, like <laughs> I need someone who can bring that level of unhinged. And then it hit me because it was fucking perfect, ladies and gentlemen. I'm casting. Walton Goggins. Oh, uh, one of the best, man. As uh, as our buddy Tom. That's a good Tom yeah, Horn right there. There you he, go. He really does a nice job. Because uh, imagine that dude smiling at you after you kill his dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> he ain't stopping. Well, um, I could uh, I could see this. I know it's not Steve McQueen, but. No, uh, he, he would have a nice creepier factor to it. Walton Goggins is great. I've been a fan of his since The Shield, the possibly the best show ever put on television. Um. Another show that was pretty good was uh, had a great actor, and it was a show called True Blood Kahuna. And uh, Chris Bauer, if you want to pull him up real quick, actually played um, – he was in a couple of things too. Uh, but Chris Bauer actually played um, – <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Uh, different Bauer. Spelled like Jack Bauer. B-A-U-E-R. Oh. So um, – but he was on True Blood, and he played um, – Tom Horn in – this is the strangest – I'm going to read this because you guys aren't going to believe this exists. Oh. Tom Horn was played by actor Chris Bauer along with Matthew Le Neves who played Bat Masterson in the 2015 Lifetime series. This is a Lifetime series, okay, which I believe is a, a female-centered or centric network. Um, and this is Chris Bauer playing Tom Horn uh, who's also with a guy named Bat Masterson, another badass lawman if you will. The Lizzie Borden. The show is called The Lizzie Borden Chronicles. It was an American television limited series following Lizzie Borden after she's acquitted of the murders of her father and stepmother in 1892. Okay. Uh, the series is a continuation of a story that had begun in the network's 2014 film, Lizzie Borden Took an Axe. 
the plot, by the way, in 1893, four months after Lizzie Borden's acquittal for the murders of her father and stepmother, she and her sister Emma try to start a new life despite financial troubles and Lizzie's ruined reputation. Meanwhile, Pinkerton detective Charlie Seringo arrives in Fall River to investigate the case for himself. There is no greater loserception than what the Lifetime Network did in 2015. Tom Horn. What? American Loser. <laughs> An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.